0: Amen. So we're going to get into this message about discernment. Discernment, and the Lord rebukes the Pharisees for discernment, which is kind of, um, you know, it's kind of ironic that we're going to be talking about discernment, and here the Lord Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and the Sadducees for discernment. So why, why is it important to have discernment to be a part of your life? But then at the same time, know and understand it's possible. To walk in discernment, but be rebuked for it. Why? Because you discern the wrong things. Sometimes we get involved in things that are not profitable in the spirit. Hello? Yes, we can do, you know, uh, the apostle Paul said, all things right are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And wisdom, spiritual wisdom comes from from that right there yes you could go to the movies yes you could do this yes you could do that yes you could skip church yes you don't have to read your Bible but is that going to help you in the spirit no that's going to cause you to dry up and shrivel and walk backwards it's going to cause you to go a direction you don't want to go and so you have to look at those things in the in the lens of is this spiritually profitable for me is this spiritually profitable for me and so what we discern, now the word discern just simply means to distinguish between. It is simply to to be able to separate. This is good and this is not good. This is kind of good, but it's not what God wants for me. <clears throat> Amen. Amen? So it's it's a powerful passage. Let's begin in verse number one. It says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees. Now it's now it is a uh, an important occasion whenever you get these two folks coming and doing the same thing. You Watch. As you look through Scripture, as you study, you get these two groups doing the same thing. It's not a good time. They're coming for the wrong reason, doing the wrong thing. It's kind of like you get two different denominations together. You better watch out. <laughs> Amen. All right. So the Pharisees, also with the Sadducees, came, tempting him, Desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. Show me a sign. You know, there's people that follow after signs. And God never called you to do that. As you operate, as the Lord ministers through your life, signs will follow you. But you're never called to follow signs, you're not called to be a sign follower. Amen. Um, He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Let's stop right there for a second and understand, the Lord says, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt the weather, but you can't tell that I'm here. How amazing is it that they go to Jesus? This is God manifest in the flesh, who from eternity past to eternity future. Right? This is God manifest in the flesh, and they go up to him and they're like, "Can I see a sign?" Uh, hello, the sign's in front of you. It's like that, that old saying: if it was a if it was a snake, it would have bit you, or a two by four would hit you between the eyes. I mean, they're going up to God manifest in the flesh, saying, "I need a sign." The virgin birth, right? The the child born, the son given, Emmanuel, the government on his shoulders, the prince of peace, the king of kings, this is him, and yet they're asking God in the flesh for a sign. It's amazing that sometimes we lose focus of that, and sometimes, you know, we don't appreciate what God's done for us. Sometimes we don't receive fully what God's done for us. We don't see what's right in front of us. We're looking for more. We got that more better attitude. We want more and we want it better. We want the more better. And sometimes we have to we have to just be resting in what God's done for us now and where God has us now and who God is to us now. I, it, they probably would not have been called hypocrites if they would have said, You know, don't give us a sign. You are the sign from God to us. They probably wouldn't have been called hypocrites. But they were not looking for that. They were looking for something else. And sometimes we can get preoccupied with the wrong thing. Now, I know you don't think it's about you. Pastor's talking about my neighbor. Pastor's talking about someone else. You got in your mind who I'm talking about, but we, we all can get preoccupied with things that are not eternally profitable to our spirit. It's not to say that, that being able to tell the weather's bad. That's not the deal. I want you to understand Jesus is not anti-weather app. So if you if you get that out of this message, you've got the wrong thing. It's that that's the focus. It's that you know how to tell that, but you don't know how to tell what's really important. you see the difference? See, if, if, if churches back then if it was like now, they would have started the anti-weather app church. See, Jesus is anti. You can take a portion of scripture. You can take it out of context. He says, see, Jesus don't want you to know what the weather's going to be. we the anti-weather First church of the anti-weather app. And we could start a whole denomination out of context because of this. But it's not that he doesn't want you to know the weather. It's that he doesn't want you to specialize in that when you're letting go of spiritual things. It's that the Lord is kind of turning their attention and saying, you know what, you've gotten so preoccupied on things that you know what, when you're in eternity it's not going to matter whether you had a heads up on the weather. It's not going to matter that you got a little, you know, five-hour extra heads up about something about politics. It's not going to matter that you got a little extra five-hour, you know, word of knowledge about something that CNN hasn't reported yet because you got this app and you got... That's not as important as understanding what's going on In the spirit realm and in the world of the spirit and I love that uh, that quote from from JC Ryle he said all all that glitters is not gold and what he means by that is just because something says it's gold doesn't mean it is just because someone says they're from God doesn't mean they're from God and you have to understand that there are situations and people in your life that may not be the best thing or the best plan for you. And so we have to be able to understand spiritually and discern what's going on. Without a connection to the Lord, we are riding blind. Right. Riding blind. I have in my notes that... that. Um, this is birth, intimacy, right? Intimacy births sensitivity. If you'll get to the point where you're intimate with God, intimacy births sensitivity. In other words, if you'll get to the point where the Lord is the number one person you want to talk to in the morning before you want to check the weather, the number one person you'd rather have lunch with, right? Many of you you know it's okay to have lunch by yourself, just you and the Lord. It's okay to spend time alone. You know, we don't have to have all the time radio playing or movies playing or somebody to talk to. Sometimes it's good to get alone and get with Jesus. And if we never have time to be int- and what I mean by intimate with the Lord is just alone with the Lord, talking with the Lord. That's it. It's nothing, you know, It's not no mumbo jumbo. It's just spending specific time alone with God. Getting acquainted to him, and the more you get acquainted to God, the more sensitive you will become to the prompts of the Spirit of God. And we see this over and over throughout Scripture. When people begin to spend less time with God, they get, they get hardened. They get hardened, don't they? Yes, and so one of the things I want you to see is that this intimacy is, is birthed through sensitivity, but in order to do that, you have to have a heart for God you have to have a heart for god now discernment is not always knowing right from wrong there's more to it there's more to discernment than knowing right from wrong and i'll we'll we'll take this next part in ecclesiastes uh, chapter eight so if you'll turn backwards into ecclesiastes chapter eight we're going to get into and begin with verse number two one of the things that we see in in the realm of discernment is that if a person is not walking with the lord they they really don't have a chance of being able to discern anything but the lord when when he gives someone discernment it's not because of their education it's because of revelation god really doesn't care about your what you bring to the table education wise and, in, in, you know, sometimes in our world, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter eight, beginning in verse two, but sometimes in our world, we, we equate education with walking with God or knowing God, but God doesn't see it that way. Again, God's not anti-education. Don't, don't go from one ditch to the other. God's not anti-education. But what is he? God reveals. God reveals things by the Spirit. When Peter was asked, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, what? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't get this through education, son. He said, you didn't go to college and get that. You got on your knees and you had time with the lord and the lord gave you that he said flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father which is in heaven and you know god still operates the same way today he operates through revelation you know you can train a parrot how to say anything you you want to you want to play a a tape about doctrine and let us let a parrot memorize it and spit it out you think that parrot knows god Not the way you could. Not the way you could. So just because somebody can spit something out doesn't mean they've had it revealed to them. God reveals truth. That's what he does. What stood out to the Pharisees in Acts, in the book of Acts, whenever they were trying Peter and and, and John, when they were trying them and they said, you know what? We told you, don't preach this Jesus. You know what they said? Man, these are some educated folks. No, that's not what they said. They said, these are some ignorant and unlearned men, but we perceive they've been with Jesus. They had an intimacy. They had an intimacy with Jesus that cannot be given through education, only through revelation. And so, when when you come and approach the subject of discernment, you have to get in your mind. It's not about memorizing definitions about what discernment is. It's about getting along with God, getting intimate with God, and God will put in you what you need for the hour. Revelation is way different than education. Again, Don't lose sight of, we're not discounting education. We're not going from the the ditch on the right side of the road to the ditch on the left side of the road. We're not doing that. But I'm just telling you, God's not impressed by our education. God will reveal truth to who he wants to reveal truth to, to the hungry heart, to the seeking soul. He said, if you seek me, you'll find me when you what? Search. Search for me with all your heart. That's who God gives himself to, the seeker, the seeker. We we see that in scripture all all throughout it, God giving himself through revelation to those that seek him. Those that seek him. And yet we sometimes get in our mind that we have to get the other foot going. But understand, it's through revelation that God operates God operates through revelation. Revelation is simply causing something to be real. You know that you can tell somebody that, you know, you can can share a scripture with somebody for 50 years. But until the Holy Ghost anoints it and brings revelation knowledge on it, it's just like they're listening to anything else. But when that anointing is on it and when that discernment, I mean, when the spirit of God kicks in, then they receive it in a whole nother way. So let's look in in verse two, Ecclesiastes verse two, just speaking on revelation. And I just wanted you to see that, that, uh, you know, I was talking about how intimacy gives birth to sensitivity and that's the way that God operates. That's the way that God uh, grows you. You want to grow spiritually? That's how God grows you spiritually god doesn't grow your head he grows your heart he grows you from the inward outward that's how he does Um, so verse 2 says i counsel thee to keep the king's commandment and that in regard of the oath of god in other words this is kind of like what daniel was given charge to do which is to be obedient to what King Nebuchadnezzar said, but also make sure that you're doing it in a way that honors God. If those things ever coincide, then you have an obligation to honor God first. Like if the government tells you that you can't have church on Sunday, we're gonna honor God first. We're gonna honor God first. The same way. But other than that, we're gonna, we're gonna do whatever we need to do. Be not hasty to go out of his sight Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, there's power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Now listen to this. Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. In other words, there's another layer of discernment That God's showing you here and that is not only knowing what's right and wrong but knowing what to do about it and when to do it timing and judgment is another aspect of discernment and it's vital to the children of God to be intimate with God to the point where not only are we seeing right from wrong or what we should or should not do, but also knowing God's timing, when to do it, and the judgment how to do it. So you might have a conversation with somebody. You might have you might have to have a tough talk. How many of you know what to get a tough talk with your kids? Right? I got to talk to my kid about that. Well, you know what, if they're, if, if they're about to go to sleep and they're all tired and they're about, their eyes are rolling in the back of their head, that's not the best time to have that serious talk. And that's just common knowledge. That's worldly knowledge, right? Now, you take that and elevate it to the spiritual level and understand there's times that God will tell you to do something and you got to do it when God says to do it. And there's other times God says, wait. Wait, and you better wait, because if you do it when God says wait, you're going to mess it up. You're going to mess it up. You're going to blow everything up, because you just wasn't willing to be patient and wait on God's timing. See, there's, there's two different layers of God's timing. There's two different layers. Some, you know, timing is chronological, but it's, but it's also a, there's God moments in that timing, in that chronological time. There's also those special moments that God has. He appoints special times. And it's important to remember that God operates the same way in our life. As we go and we do what God has called us to do, there is not only the the discerning of right and wrong, but when and how. When you do something and how you do it is just as important as what you do. i say that again when you do something and how you do something is just as important as what you do. Do you know why it's important to have uh, timing on this? You know, it's important because God has a master plan and God's working things and God wants you to get in that master plan because that's where God's blessings are. But you know what's beautiful about it is that when when, when you're walking with God in that place of obedience, you're just a willing vessel that he can use. But where a lot of people miss this is they'll obey God on their schedule. And I, I've heard somebody say this before, but they've said delayed obedience is disobedience. You get into that place where where you're walking in delayed obedience you're walking in disobedience. And, and any of us that have missed opportunities know what that means. Yes, if, you've ever, if you've ever had an opportunity to do something, but you delay doing what you know is right, and then you miss that opportunity. You miss that window, that opening right there. And so delayed obedience is just as, as, as disobedient as not doing anything at all. Right? Doesn't do any good to try to pay a a parking ticket after you're in jail. Best thing to do, pay it when you get it or not get it at all. But if you're gonna wait, you better not wait too long. But there comes a time when that window's shut and you're gonna have to go to jail. So delayed obedience is just as bad as disobedience. And sometimes we have to understand that when the Lord asks us to do something or the Lord shows us something, he will also tell us when to do it and how to do it. Timing and judgment belongs to God. Timing and judgment belongs to God. When, once you begin to say, No, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You're setting yourself up for a mighty fall. Pride comes before what? Pride comes before that fall, and it's not fun to watch. I've seen it a lot of times when people get prideful, they ain't not going to tell me what to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. And no, no. You're not going to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it, and also walk with God. You are going. You don't have to do what pastor says, but you better do what God says. You understand? There's a difference. And you have to get to that point where you're going to be obedient to the Lord and walk with the Lord when he says to do something and how he says to do something and what he says to do about it. So that's why it's important to understand that there's a timing aspect and a judgment aspect. Think about, think about Esther. Y'all remember Esther? Esther, beautiful passage of the Bible. Esther is awesome. And she's there, the only hope that the Jewish people have. But you know, it was all about timing. Timing. You go and read Esther, she, she could have, she you know, spilt the milk before it was time. She could have busted in there at an inopportune time. She could have tried to bust in as, as soon as, you know, her uncle started telling her everything and she would have blown it. Yes, sir. But it was all about following God's time. And she said, you know what, you know, if, if I die, I die. But she had to do, if I perish, I perish, what she said but she she got along with god and she got a plan and she followed the lord in it and that's why esther's in the bible because she was obedient to the timing of god and the judgment of god she was able to discern what she needed to do in that hour in that hour and you know that god's the same way in our life you, you walk around and you don't know what to do. You, God has called you to something far greater than having the KSLA app on your phone and knowing what the weather is. God's real. And he wants to guide you through your daily life. And he wants to give you help in your time of need. Do you believe that? In order for us to walk with God in that way, we have to be obedient to what he says. Yes, <coughs> so we praise God. We praise God. Yes. You know, God wants to take you to God events, not good enough events. Some of us settle for the good enough If you've ever bought something on clearance, you said, oh, that's good enough. And I'm talking about myself because I'm a clearance shopper. But if you've ever bought something on clearance, you're like, it's not really what I want, but it's good enough. But you know, in the spirit, God doesn't want you to be a seller dweller. He doesn't want you to be a clearance shopper for the first thing that comes along. He doesn't want you to take the first exit off of where you're at. God wants you to wait on his timing and he wants you to wait on his judgment. And if you'll be willing, God will take you where he wants you to go. And that's far better than going where we wanna go because we know the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all our heart to lean not on our own understanding. And what? God will do what? He'll direct our paths. God will direct our paths when we take time to wait on him. And waiting on God involves using your ear and making sure you have a Q-tip, have it cleaned out so you can listen to his voice. Now, I'm talking about spiritually God has called you to a place where you're listening to God and walking with God throughout the, the course of your day. God wants to give you wisdom, but if you're not paying attention and you're not willing to spend time in an intimate place with the Lord, you're not going to hear the wisdom God has for you. You may take a job because it's the first one God you this is the first one that comes along. It may be the one the devil brought. It may be a Gibeonite job. If you listen to the earlier message, you understand what that means. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I prayed for people to get jobs. They come to church. I need a job. I need a job. They at church every service. Then they get a job. Then guess what? I'm preaching to an empty spot right there. Amen. What happened? What happened? The job, The first job that came, they was ready to jump on. And it took them away from what the Lord was doing in their life. And if you're moved by trinkets or you're moved by those kinds of objects or you're moved by those things, you will miss what God has for you. You'll take, you'll take not only second best, but you'll take the devil's best. The devil's best is what draws you away from God's plan and purpose. And too many people lack that intimacy with God and they take the first thing that comes in, in, in almost every area of our life. And God wants to direct you daily. You don't know, have to just go to the Lord on a, you know, a, a New Year's Eve service and get some direction for this year. It's a daily thing. It's an hourly thing. It's a momentary thing. It's it's the abiding, listen to this. It's the abiding presence of the Lord in your life that guides you every moment of every hour of every day. That is the blessing of walking in the New Testament, having the comforter, the Holy Ghost abiding in our lives. And we've scheduled the Holy Ghost out. Uh, The Holy Ghost, that's for for whenever I go to church and I need something. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. No, the Holy Ghost is for your every hour of every day. The Holy Ghost is your comforter that abides within. The comforter is the one who teaches you and guides you through life. The Holy Spirit is, is your best friend, and he's the one that... At best, we leave at church on Sunday. It's like some folks, not not anybody here, so don't get the wrong idea, but I've seen some folks, they'll leave their Bible at church every week. I just took it away leave it right there. I don't need it till next Sunday. But you know, that's how some people treat the Holy Spirit. Walk out of church and not give the Lord another. Second thought. And the Lord has given us the one who abides within the opportunity. You know, I, 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 I saw somebody, uh, one minister, they said, um, you know, we think that whenever we get to heaven, we're going to go up and we're going to ask Moses, what was it like to walk on dry land across that, that sea? And we're going to ask Elijah, you know, what was it like to go up in that whirlwind? And we're going to ask Jonah, what was it like to be in that, that, that well for three days and three nights? We're going to ask all these Old Testament saints about that. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to turn around and say, uh, I, you don't want to hear about that. Tell me what it was like to live with the Spirit of God in you. And, and, and yet, here we are. See, we, we're living in the, in the land of blessing on this side of Pentecost where we have an opportunity to abide. Uh-huh. Love that song, He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He abides. He abides. Yeah. And the comforter still abides today. Amen. And yet, we, we esteem Him not. We, it, it, you know, it just kind of going back to that verse in Matthew 16, they was, able to discern, they was able to look up at the sky and be like, yep, it's going to be storm tonight. You, you ever talk to a, somebody that fishes or something, they're going to be like, oh, yep, they're going to fish tonight. Yep, uh-huh. So we, we, get, we can get to the point where we can see things like that. How come we can't see what the Lord's doing? Can it be said that we're more intimate with things like the weather than God? Can it be honestly said that we care more about things like the weather or fish or whatever than God? Can that truly be said of us? How sad would that be? I want to show you a couple of a, a couple of passages about you know somebody walking with the Lord, and one of my favorite favorite ones is philip it's over in acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now, are we going to begin in... Verse 25. Now what what had happened was revival broke out. What had happened was the Holy Spirit began to move in this area. Philip and, and the others, they called for the disciples, and the Holy Spirit moved. And if you've ever prayed in a move of God, you know, The the last thing you want to do is go somewhere else. Once God begins to move, you will stay right there. But what happened was they finally experienced breakthrough. The Lord began to move. People were being filled with the spirit. People were being saved. People's lives were being changed for eternity. And yet in that moment, the Lord speaks to Philip and it's a, it's almost like a test Many of you have ever had those seasons in life where everything's just going right. Everything's going right. I mean, you might be like, I've never had that, Brother Kenny. Well, okay. What about that time where everything was as good as it's ever been? <laughs> everything was just right. And watch what happens here. Verse 25. It says, And they, when they testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the samaritans which is a testimony of itself and the angel of the lord which is a good bible study the angel of the lord spake unto philip saying arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from jerusalem unto gaza which is desert not luxury Philip, you've done well. Oh, you've made a difference in their lives. Now I want you to go not to the life of luxury, but to the life in a desert. I want you, and look, I want you to go. I want you to go. And look at look at the first part of the next verse. And he arose and went. Yes, sir. But But Lord, what am I gonna do with all but Lord I got this but Lord I've got a house and but Lord I've got this and I've got, I've got plans and I've got a this and I've got a that it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book I've got a this and I've got a that you start asking somebody to do something for the Lord you get Dr. Seuss excuses there's a where's it and a what's it and a who's it and, and, and so what I want you to see is what Philip did is Philip said I'll go He arose and he went. What a blessing. God had a man, two things were amazing right here. God had a man whose ears were listening for his voice. Amen? Yeah, it takes a lot. That says this guy was waiting on God. This guy was spending time at the altar. This guy was spending time on his knees. His pants might have had some holes in them. He was spending time before the Lord, waiting on the Lord, being intimate with God, and he had his ear turned to God. You might, and you might say, man, I wish God would speak to me. Well, when are you going to turn your ear to him? I wish God would use me. I wish God would do this. It's, isn't it time that we give God ourselves? Isn't it time we give God our ears? A lot of times, people come to the Lord with their memo pad of all the things they want. I want a new bicycle, and I want a new car. They sound like some kid at Santa Claus. I want a new riding lawnmower. I want a new this, and I want a new that, and I want I want a new house, and I want a new job, and I want a new boss, and I want a new this, I want a new cat, I want. And Lord's like, when you gonna just give me yourself? I'll give you what you need. When you gonna give me you? And so sometimes it just comes down to that point where we're not willing to give God our ear, but Philip here had his ear tuned to God. In order to have your ear tuned to God, you also have to have your heart tuned to God. You have to spend time in prayer with God. This is why prayer is so important. I love what uh, uh, um, Andrew Murray said about prayer is, is, is asking the Lord what you should pray about. That's dangerous for some of us. Some of us, the Lord might say, you need to go apologize to that person. Yes, yeah, but you don't understand. They did. They took my weed eater and they brought it back dirty. I'm never talking to them again. See, we get all foolish. Lord has parables for that. You know, somebody owed 500 and somebody owed 50. The Lord has parables for everything. And, 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 and we get all caught up in, in, in life's drama, not realizing there's a greater thing at work. Not realizing there's a greater thing at work. Amen? And if we don't have that time, that, that time before the Lord in intimacy with God, we're not going to have our heart and our ear turned to God. Amen? I can't tell you how many times somebody said, I, I wish God would speak to me. I wish God would, you know, direct me. I wish God would give me some wisdom, some discernment. I wish God would direct my steps. Well, He will. He hasn't run out of direction. He don't, it's not like He doesn't know where you're at. He knows how many hairs are on your head. You might be like, Lord, don't know what I'm going through. He knows how many hairs are on your head. So he knows. He knows the burdens on you. And he's the one that can lift the burden, not mask the burden. He's the burden lifter. He's the one who breaks the yokes that the enemy places on you. He's the one who knows how to bring deliverance in your life the way that you need it and when you need it. God is the one who authors those things. But we see Philip here, he's... In in order for him to hear God, he had to listen for God, right? Amen. You're going to hear, you got to listen. makes sense to somebody from Texas. Now, watch this. The second part is obedience was not delayed. What would have happened? Now, we're going to get into the rest of the story in just a second. But what would have happened to the rest of the story had Philip said, okay. I'll go to the desert, but I just got to, you know, I got some things I need to do. I mean, I, I haven't put out my weed and feed yet this year. It's time for, I got to go do that. And I got to, you know, I got to, uh, I, I got plans on buying a car for my uncle and I got to do that. And I got plans to go fishing with my best friend. I got to do that. And you know, baseball season about to start and I'm going to catch a couple of the games. But after I get all that done, I'll go where you want me to go when I want to go. I'll do what you want me to do when I want to do it. This goes back to that word time. Understanding when it's time to let go of self and say yes to God is just as important as not doing it at all. And so Philip here, he's, he just he gets this word from God, and he said, he arose and went. He, and other, let me say it like this: he didn't pull a, even a Gideon. He didn't say, "No, Lord, if that's really you, you really want me to go to the desert? Just you know, let some dude get on this fleece." He didn't pull a Gideon. He didn't even do that. Gideon was a man of faith, and Philip didn't even do that. He just said, "Okay." Man, what kind of obedience is this? This is first command obedience. At your word, I will go, Lord. At your word, I will go, Lord. You know, there's an amazing passage of scripture whenever one of the guys that built one of the synagogues for the Jews, when one of his family members was, was, you know, sick and the Lord was going to go to his house and bring deliverance and the guy met him halfway. He said, Lord, I know who you are. People under me do what I say and if you say the word, they're going to get delivered. He knew what it went for Jesus to say, he's healed. Be healed. He knew one word changes everything. And when you understand first into obedience, it's the same exact way. What a beautiful concept. Philip arose and went. How many of us, you know what? That's a blessing right there. If we could ever get to that point where we just followed the Lord. If we just ever got to that point where we followed the Lord. How many times we've been disobedient because we delayed obedience? Because we delayed obedience. Just tell you a quick story. It kind of tells you you the downgrade of the church world. Suppose there was a guy that was, I don't know, sick with coronavirus. And he was dying. His last day was Tuesday. The Lord wakes you up in a dream. He says, your neighbor's got the coronavirus. I want you to go give him the gospel. He's about to die and go to hell. Where we, most of us would go, uh, where most of the world today is, I'll go rake their yard. I'll go rake their yard for them. Because sometimes we get into that place where we're like, I'm just not where, I I don't feel comfortable, I don't know, you know, that's not my thing, but the Lord asks you to do it. If the Lord asks you to do it, He'll equip you to do it. I've always heard it said, He doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. He equips his people. You say yes and you walk with God, he will equip you to what he's put to you. Even if you're like Moses and you say, I can't even talk, how am I gonna get all of Israel delivered? God will equip you. God will empower you even if you are facing something that is uncomfortable for you or not your forte. You have to get to the point where you don't trust yourself, but you trust God. Why? Well, you know, I just, I'm not comfortable talking to people about Jesus. I would just rather rake their yard. Well, if the Lord tells you to bring the gospel to them, what would you do it? Most people today, they might go over there, they might knock on the door, and they might say, hey, brother, I just want you to know God loves you. I'm going to rake your yard. God doesn't want half half obedience or delayed obedience because you don't know the timing that people are in. You don't know when their last day is. You don't know when another opportunity will come You don't know the next time they're gonna be sensitive to the spirit of God. You have to be willing to say yes to God and go in his time and in his way. In his time and in his way. His timing and his way. And when you do that, you'll see just like Philip did. Philip, he goes into the desert. He doesn't know what he's gonna see, but he arose and he went. And what did he see? He saw who? An Ethiopian trying to read the Bible, didn't know what he was looking at. Trying to read the Bible, he didn't know who the prophet was speaking of. And Philip, the Lord told Philip, go, go get up there. Go get up there. You might be like, well, I had not studied that scripture yet. You got the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said that he would give you what you need in the hour. And so Philip goes up to him and he says, I can tell you who that is. And he led him to Jesus. The guy ended up getting baptized, didn't he? What do you think happened to Ethiopia after that? Do you think what happened to Ethiopia after that experience would have happened had Philip not obeyed the Lord's timing and the Lord's direction? And so sometimes in our own lives, we miss God's best because we've settled for second best. We miss God's plan for our lives because we've done what we want to do. And I want you to know that, you know, there's, there is value in discernment. There's value in discernment. Um, just another, another place, I'll just tell you another Another place, whenever, whenever the apostle Paul got saved, on the road to Damascus, his eyes were blinded. Say his eyes were open, his eyes were blinded. And the Lord wakes up one of his servants and he says, go lay hands on Saul. You mean that guy that kills Christians? You want me to go pray for that guy? Yes, I want you to go pray for that guy. But don't you know he kills Christians, Lord? Yes, I know he kills Christians. I've touched him. I'm going to use him. I want you to go pray for him. Pray for him. I want you to go pray for him. That's an unsung hero of the Bible. Lays hands on who's going to become the apostle to the Gentiles because he trusted God's plan, not his plan. And and, and couldn't have the guy said, Well, you know, Lord, I've never prayed for anybody to receive their sight. I mean, you know, I know that's for the, I know that's, that's for your apostles. I've never laid hands on somebody to receive their sight. I don't know about this. I mean, won't you get Peter or somebody like that? I love this. Lord just puts this in the Bible. No, I want you to do it. You a child of God. You've got the Holy Spirit of God and I want you to do it. And the guy did it. Obedience. And he didn't delay. He obeyed. He obeyed. Now let me go one, one more place. Hebrews chapter four. Well, maybe we'll go to two, but we'll be quick. Hebrews chapter four, beginning in, well, with verse 12. It's about the word of God. Listen to this passage. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. One thing that the word of God does that we don't value anymore is the word of God tries the motives of our hearts. You get around the word of God you, you get around the word of God where the anointing of God is and the word of God will make things come alive in your life. The word of God will bring revelation. The word of God will try your heart because he discerns the thoughts and the intents. You know that that's something that nobody can see with the naked eye? Nobody can see the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Only the word of God can do that because the word of God gets where no man can go. Because the word of God can do what no man can do. He can cut off things at the root. He can bring life where there's death. He can bring deliverance where there's bondage. And and understanding what the motive is through the word of God is one of the most valuable things that you can have as a child of God. You don't try things by how they look on the outside. You try things against the word of God. It doesn't matter what somebody says that they believe, that they think, or that they are, or that they want to be. You hold it up against the Word of God, and you let the Word of God try it. The Word of God separates those things, and it gets down to the motives of those things. In ways our, as my dad would say, our little pea brains could never do, God can get into those places and bring light where no person can see. And only God can do that. So sometimes we say, "Ah, you know, I I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need. Yes, you do. When you have that kind of an attitude, you need it more than you think. And no matter what somebody says to you, no matter what somebody's teaching you, no matter what you think you're doing or learning or growing or whatever, you always run those things, examine those things in the light of the word of God. Because the spirit of God will say yay or nay to what the word says. The spirit of God is the one who says yes or no, not us. We say, that glitters, it's good. The word of God gets to it, and the spirit of God says, no, it's not. Or, yes, it is. And the only way you know is to have a walk with the Lord. So I'll close with with probably one of my favorite scriptures, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We'll close right here. Amen. John chapter 10 Verse 26. Remember, the thought on this is intimacy gives birth to sensitivity. You can't be intimate with God if you're not a child of God. And if you're a child of God, best thing you can do is be intimate with God. Worst thing you can do is pull back from God. Worst thing you can do is not have time for God. How sad is it when we're too busy for God? How sad is it when our schedules are so full we scheduled God out? If you do that too long, God will make sure your schedule clears. God will bring you to not. Notville. It's not a fun place to be. But some of us have to take a couple of trips there. So intimacy gives birth to sensitivity. And how do we be intimate? Okay, here we go. Um, Verse 26 says, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said his sheep know his voice. How do you know the voice of God if you never pray? How do you know the voice of God if you never read the word of God? How do you know the voice of God if you never study the word of God, if you never have a a walk with God, if you never have obedience with God? He said that they know his voice and understand what he's saying and follow me. He's not saying they know my voice, but they know my voice and follow me. They, they listen to what I'm saying, and they do what I ask them to do. That's my sheep. And I remember praying that one. I said, Lord, you said in your word, your sheep hear your voice. I'm one of your sheep. It's like clear as day. The Lord said, read my word. You get into the word of God, let the spirit of God cause revelation to come and take the word of God and bring it to life. You you can get in, you you can get involved in things in in the Bible and not read it in the light of the spirit. One old minister said one time, he said, um, some people choose to study the Bible in Greek, some in Hebrew, but I choose to study the Bible in the Holy Ghost. What good is it if you understand what it's saying in the Greek if you don't understand what it's saying in the spirit? You what good is it to understand the Latin meaning or the verb tenses in the Greek or the you know what what good is it to understand that and not obey it in its English form? How about we walk with God and talk with God and respond to God in its English form? How about we start with obedience in the simplicity of knowing Christ and him crucified and him resurrected. It is the simplicity of Christ that the devil wants to move you off of. You don't think that's so? Go look that up. The enemy's desire is to move you and me and everyone off of the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. His simple gospel. God in the flesh died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he rose again and every tongue that confesses and believes that gospel saved. That's what he says. The simplicity that is in Christ is Christ alone. That's it. And for, for too many of us, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so what we want to do here is just understand that God's called us to a place of an intimate walk with God. From that place, you'll find sensitivity to his voice. And if you'll walk in that, God will begin to open things up to you in the realm of discernment. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up.